welcome to Composerscape. I am Jess Hendricks. Uh, my partner is uh, busy. It's Friday night and not everybody has time on their hands on a Friday night to come down here and talk about the nerdly things that I intend to talk about. So a lot's happened since we were on last. We have taken another hiatus, of course, because we're lazy. And... Um, you know, Spider-Man came out and then Omicron came out around the same time. I managed to get to see that in theaters, but I'm not going to talk about that yet because that's going to require some in-depth discussion with, with, with my partner in crime. So I'm going to save that for him. Um, the Matrix came out, which I also saw, and um, go ahead and put me in the love column. I know that one's divisive. There was, um, I don't know, a lot of people seems to not like it, but I thought it was pretty meta and it had a very specific message that was solely directed at Warner Brothers. Um, and that was great. So the book of Boba Fett, um, as most of you will remember, if you've watched it, if you haven't, fair warning, there will be lots of spoilers. So last we saw spoilers starting now. Now spoilers. Now. I can't stop looking at myself on the screen. That's really weird. Um, so it started off with um, in the f uh, last season of The Mandalorian, there was a end credit scene that showed Boba Fett show up at Jabba the Hutt's old palace. And I believe they said all of this stuff of The Mandalorian occurred five years after the destruction of the second Death Star. Um, so five years after Return of the Jedi. So everything's in disarray. We saw in Mandalorian you know, um, the remnants of the empire trying to, to pull it all back together. And then there was the big battle between Din Djarin and Gif Madian or Gif, not Gif. Uh, <laughs> I just call him Gif graphical user, user interface. Um, grand Moff. Oh, all right. Anyway, names aren't going to be my thing. So we just going to go, uh, go ahead and ignore that. Uh, so yeah, um, and uh, and so Boba Fett and um, Fennec Shand show up at uh, Jabba's palace, and and of course Jabba in there he dead, but Bib Fortuna is uh, he's packed on a few pounds and he's sitting on the old throne, running Jabba's old empire. Um, Bib Fortuna lasts like not even a quarter of the scene before he is unceremoniously dispatched by Boba Fett and the throne is his. Um, so this season, this book of Boba Fett, and I don't know if this is a one-off thing, but the way I've seen it, it seems to be the story of him wanting to no longer, you know, be the employee, but to be the employer. So he's like, uh, moving on into uh, his own uh, entrepreneurship uh, and dealing with all the, the stuff that comes with a vacuum. I mean, a lot of the Mandalorian and Boba Fett have been dealing with a power vacuum. So it's really clever. Um, a couple of the episodes have been directed by Robert Rodriguez. Uh, the last one was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who also directed a couple of the best uh, Mandalorian episodes. And she does not disappoint once again that most recent episode. So 
it start it's a bit of a slow burn we see uh we do get to see boba uh it, through flashbacks while he's in the back to tank you know we all saw him you know escape from the sarlacc pit which uh oh, by the way was exactly how Patton oswalt described it uh, his, his his hand bursts from the sand and then we know a lot of what happened uh way further on uh he goes on he doesn't have his armor uh the jawas have have, have taken that or they took it i can't remember what happened um but he is taken by the tuscans um and there's a very dances with wolves thing and i thought that was really cool as well it was really well done um they they've been building up the tuscan raiders uh i think as of something more than just a random monstrous villain and a, they've built their culture a little bit um starting with revenge of the sith and uh no nope that was attack of the clones yeah that was attack of the clones uh, and you know you get to see more of them and and you know you know we all know if you've been watching um if you just don't care about spoilers and you're here well bad things happen to the tuscan raiders uh they keep expanding this kind of idea of Star Wars as not this like like there's motorcycle gangs, but they ride these little hover bikes, which is really cool. Um, they've really uh, we're getting to see all the the moss like Moss Eisley and Moss Espa and all these different ports on Tatooine. Boba Fett has all been on one planet so far, which has been really interesting because when you're doing Star Wars, that's that's quite a risk to just stay in one place when you have this, you know, big galaxy to go around. But it's been really good. So that brings me to my thoughts is that it was this, um, this, this slow burn uh, kind of showing how he got to where he is now. The first four episodes, and it's only seven episodes total, uh, the first four episodes was pretty much showing him get to where we saw him actually saw him first in the Mandalorian when he was looking for his armor, when he confronted uh, Din Djarin. So in episode four, which until this week was the best, ep best episode, and much like Hawkeye, each episode has gotten better. The WandaVision, all of the, it, it just builds up. Um, and then episode four comes along and it, it's about him getting his ship back. The, the slave one from Jabba's palace. Um, it, it shows how he discovered Shand dying and, and rescued her and, and got her modded up. That was crazy. She did not like that, but I guess she got used to it. Uh, then he's finally completely healed. And I think that was symbolic. I think that was, um, that was them saying, the the beginning part of the story is done and here's boba right so that, and then uh, at the very end there's a moment and as you know our show is called composer's scape and we will often probably not as much as we should talk about the music and the the music in the mandalorian has been using themes by um ludwig goransson and um it's a different composer but there was one moment where they're like where uh, Boba says we need muscle, and at that point it plays just the one motif from the Mandalorian, and this is absolute brilliance. Um, I have plenty of credits. What I'm short on is muscle. 
Credits can buy muscle. If you know where to look. And that was great. And that sets up episode five, which is amazing because it's it's pretty much an episode of the Mandalorian till the very end. Uh, Din Djarin is back. They're now diving into this this Mandalore Mandalorian mythology more. And as you know, Boba Fett is not a Mandalorian. Um, they explained how he uh, has the rights to his armor in the previous season of the Mandalorian, but he's he's not a Mandalorian. So, but Din is stuck between the the this it's kind of like the the new the younger mandalorians that don't follow the way and uh it was a really great moment when he has to he has a duel for this dark saber that he doesn't even want uh, but he can't just give it away and the only way he can get rid of it is to die so he's kind of stuck with it um clearly he doesn't know how to use it because it keeps getting heavier which is something interesting that harkens back to something, Luke, if you remember in the first Star Wars, how they all, uh, when Obi-Wan and Darth Vader fought, they held the, the lightsaber with two hands because Lucas originally wanted them to have this uh, weight to them. And I feel like that became this dark saber having weight and him fighting against it tells me that there might be some sort of force thing involved with it, which is interesting. Well, but, you know, um, he has to reveal that he removed his helmet. He doesn't say to who, but he does have to be remove his helmet. So he gets kicked out of the tribe and um, decides he's going to go uh, see about getting a new ship. And then, wow, the, the nostalgia was amazing. And I can't believe it's been so long that it's nostalgia now, but they, she does not. And yes, my wife and I both hear her as um, the cat from Bojack Horseman. We can't not hear her voice as that. Um, it's just rough, but no, they get a, a Nabu starfighter for him and then soup it up. It's even got like something that looks like a turbo engine on the front of it. So that was also brilliant. Um, that's very Star Wars. George Lucas went straight to Star Wars from American Graffiti. And um, like the Millennium Falcon is supposed to be like a muscle car, if you think about it. It's, 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 it's this kind of mix of thing, whereas Star Trek is very science fiction futuristic everything is um naval and star wars is more of this roots in kind of this americana there's lots of little metaphorical things that what is what makes it unique along with the mix of like um kurosawa influences and stuff anyway we get a wonderful sequence of him flying around in this naboo fighter so now um He's going to join up, and I'm assuming he's going to be in at least the next episode of this um, of this show, Din Djarin and Boba Fett together again, which is really cool, and I assume is going to lead to the next season of The Mandalorian, um, which I haven't heard a lot about. I uh, I haven't heard you know how you know where that is in filming. What season is that, Mandalorian? Let's see what's going on with that real quick. The third season began in... Oh. Okay, it says it's being released this year. They've been filming since October, apparently. Okay, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, Yeah. 
2022. You know what? It'll probably be the thing I've noticed with Disney Plus is it'll probably be way sooner than everyone thinks. Like when 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 Hawkeye dropped, I was like, really already? Like I, I missed it on the opening day. I, I saw some things trending in Twitter and was lucky not to click them. So yeah, that's me rambling about the Book of Boba Fett because it's really exciting. Um, it's a fun show. If you haven't watched it and you just sat through all these spoilers, you know what? There's still plenty of surprises there. Um, uh, some cool uh, actors show up. Jennifer Beale, uh, who who I remember as a very young preteen, she was in Flashdance, and I thought that was a dirty movie. You know, and I've never seen it. But yeah, that like she's uh, playing a Twi'lek in this, and um, there's lots of throwbacks. I, I won't tell you everything, and so I gave you some spoilers, but. Not too much. So go watch it if you hadn't. It's really great. The Mandalorian thing is, um, I got some friends who who do this this costume thing, and they they build their little Mandalorian armors and go to Comic Cons and uh, Dragon Con and all that other stuff. So it's kind of a big deal. Um, so it's really smart that they've tapped into this corner of the Star Wars universe. Let's talk about Peacemaker. <laughs> All right. So I was like, I don't know if I want to want, you know, I thought it was going to be, I don't know what I thought it was going to be. Um, I mean, he doesn't have any superpowers. He's a very obscure, strange DC character who is um, somewhat of a villain. Uh, I, I mean, Again, spoiler warning, starting now for Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. Um, I mean, he killed Rick Flagg. <laughs> but here's the great thing. And Zack Snyder said this in an interview years ago, um, the that a lot of these superhero movies have gone on without consequences. I mean, if... When, when, when in Man of Steel, when Superman and Zod fight and just trash Metropolis, there are consequences to that. Uh, when he kills Zod, there's consequences to that. Um, Lex Luthor's able to make Doomsday from Zod. Um, you know, Batman is driven even crazier by seeing this, this alien from destroying Metropolis and his one-on-one -on -one with Zod. Um, but, you know, when you watch the Suicide Squad, you know, you think Peacemaker's consequences that he died. And then there's the post-credits scene where he's still alive. So then you wonder, well, how are they going to handle that? And James Gunn um, is someone who can take the most ridiculous source material and surprise you every time. I remember when my wife and I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy expecting, I don't know, possibly Marvel MCU's first fail. It's like, this is a movie led by Chris Pratt with a anthropomorphic raccoon. And it's supposed to be a superhero, a superhero movie. So, <laughs> but needless to say, we came out of the theater. Absolutely. Like that being one of our favorites, that stupid song stuck in our head. Um, 
So then Peacemaker, it's the same thing. And I was on the fence. I figured I would watch it at some point, but I wasn't in a hurry. And then the genius uh, at self-promotion that James Gunn is, um, wow, I think he has more in common with Snyder than, than a lot of people you realize. They just don't want to say it because the, there's a lot of Snyder fans that really hate him for some reason, which is weird because they kind like James Gunn wrote Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> anyway, um, so they posted this intro to this show. The intro to Peacemaker is this dance number. If you haven't seen this, then you haven't seen the show and you shouldn't be watching right now. You should hang up and uh, click off this browser and put your phone down and go watch the first episode. Just watch the first episode. Because it's amazing. What you think is going to be, uh, you know, mostly silly um, with a lot of violence and one-liners and quips actually has a level of depth to it that surprised me. Um, for one thing, uh, John Cena is pretty good. And I don't know, um, James Gunn is, you know, are there any other wrestlers out there that are good actors? I despise wrestling. I think it's stupid, but don't let Batista and James uh, John Cena hear that because, you know, they could probably kick my ass, which is fine. I've never been in. But anyway, so but this cast, you know, in the trailers, they're like, OK, but but what got me into watching this show was the moment in that the silly dance number where Robert Patrick, where the T-1000 shows up dancing. And he also plays the most despicable character in the show. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just been great. Uh, there's a lot of depth to it. They're really kind of exploring the consequences of him killing Rick Flagg. And when Rick Flagg said to him, Peacemaker, what a joke. And it really goes into depth about that. And then it's also not just, I figured, well, you know, after James Gunn had him fight Starro, which not the real, that can't be the real Starro. That was a Starro, but that wasn't the Starro because that requires the Justice League. Nerd rant over. Uh, but anyway, I figured he would, like, this would be probably something a little, like, I don't know, less, but I guess I was not thinking because they're, like, dealing with a full-on alien invasion. It's very, like, invasion of the body snatchers except with these these things in their heads. And it's just pretty good. Um I mean, the storyline between uh, the Peacemaker and his father, and his father is uh, a former, as a character known as White Dragon. Um, oh my God. Is the name of four different characters appearing in American comic books, but that's all it says. Um, but in this show, he's like White Dragon, like Ku Klux Klan Dragon. Um, and then there's some surprises. So here come the spoilers. You have... Uh, Danielle Brooks is playing Leota Adebayo, Bayo, and she is the daughter of Amanda Waller. So we even got to see a bit of Amanda Waller in the first episode via FaceTime, which was really cool. So that kind of connects it. Um, but then there's even more surprises. This is going to be one of those like Battlestar Galactic. It's like, well, ooh, who's a butterfly? The butterflies are what the, the aliens are that are getting in people's heads. Uh, there's also just lots of great one-liners. But the, another thing that really gets me is, it, it's hitting my age bracket. Um, 
it's like all hair hair band music. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the cast has actually in the trailers, it didn't look like they were going to have much chemistry, but um, no, they're really good together. Um, John Cena, Danielle Brooks, Freddie Stroma, Stroma is playing Adrian Chase Vigilante, uh, Vigilante, which is a totally different version of, um, I believe they should, he was in also an arrow, right? They, they made a much more serious vigilante, but this guy's much more fun. Uh, but yeah, this one is, 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 is very sadistic, but also very funny and also very goofy. Uh, but he's really good at it. There's a, a brilliant, um, a bit of dialogue when he's going to the jail to kill, um, try to kill Peacemaker's father, because that's what he thinks will help him. And where he calls out a bunch of racists and it's, it's, it's just brilliantly written. Um, but yeah, the whole cast, Jennifer Holland, this Amelia Harcourt, uh, I think there's some more backstory with her that we're going to, we're going to find out about. It's very good. And there seems to be three more episodes of this. And, um, I was reading, uh, which is probably scooper news. So I wouldn't take it with a grain of salt that there may even be a more spinoff of the suicide squad after this from James Gunn. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but you know, that's, that's all I got on that. Uh, it's mostly just, you know, I kind of thought it was going to be a bit of a lull. Oh, Cobra Kai. I, I, I can throw that out there. Cobra Kai just finished the most recent season. And all I have to say is I am now uncertain that I've ever seen Karate Kid 3 or maybe I did. And it was just so long ago. I know it wasn't the best one or even a good one, but I need to watch it now. And if you have not seen the most recent season of Cobra Kai, each season has gotten progressively better. And it's so weird that it's good. My wife and I were talking that, why is this show so good? This is so cheesy. Why is it so good? Uh, there are some serious dramatic moments in it, but it's still ludicrous. So that's another good one. So if you haven't, if you haven't been caught up on Cobra Kai, it's really, cause it's really weird. Cause it seems like it both markets to like uh, teenagers who want to see it for all the drama between the teens. And then also people my age that remember the Karate Kid movies when they originally came out. So it's this weird mix. And um, William Zabka is uh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant as Johnny Lawrence. Uh, it makes me wish they gave him like more depth in the original movie. Or maybe he just gained that brilliance with age. But so that's all we got for this one. Um, uh, there'll probably be more soon. I'm going to react to some more things. The book of Boba Fett is heating up and, uh, I'm sure no new stuff is coming soon. Um, I'm going to be staying away from rumors. Um, not going to be taught. I'm not going to be watching, um, reading anything about if anyone sees an early screening of the flash or Shazam two two movies that I'm very excited for. Um, um, I, if Zach says something about Rebel Moon, I'll bring that up. But I don't think he's said anything in a while. He's been pretty quiet. Um, probably means he's working. Uh, but other than that, that's all that's going on. I believe the next thing up on the slate is the Batman. And it should be worth a watch. See what they do different. See how they separate it 
from uh, the other solo movies. And uh, that's all.